All right, let's take our Bibles this morning and go to Matthew in chapter number 24. We'll stand in honor of God's word, Matthew in chapter number 24. Matthew 24. I'd encourage you to be in Sunday school if you haven't already been. Uh, going through a series right now, but Ted's teaching here in the Southwest Bible class, all the other adult classes going through the book of Genesis. And if we're going to go forward as a people, we got to go back to what God said in the beginning. And so this deals with some of the just foundational issues of life. And this morning, Brother Ted did a great job teaching on um, uh, alcohol and how that it messed up uh, Noah. And it's a sad commentary. So nonetheless, we need that type of teaching to get our bearings straight. And so we're going to do that. And then we'll take a pause. And Brother Willette, R.B. Willette wrote us a book called uh, Living in an Imperfect World. After we get through chapter 11 in Genesis, we're going to take a little bit of a pause from Genesis and just deal with some of the societal issues that we deal with or some of the just personal issues we deal with, like bitterness and, and other things of that nature, practical and then some societal issues. And then we'll get back into Genesis 12. So anyways, we're, we're uh, making our way through the book of Genesis, really enjoying that. But on Sunday mornings here in the auditorium, we're in Matthew and uh, Matthew's gospel. This is Sermon 78. And so we're just going verse by verse. And right now we're looking at Matthew 24 and verse number 29. If you join me there, Matthew 24 and verse number 29. We'll do our best to try to set the scene here once again. Uh, just to remind us all, last week we had the missions, uh, Midsummer Mission Sunday. And so it's been a, a week two weeks since we were here. So I'd like to do a little bit of review, but review does not mean go to sleep and wake up when it gets to the new part. That's not what it means, right? It just means we need to get back into it. And so let's look at it here. Matthew 24, 29. Jesus said to his disciples immediately after the tribulation. Okay. It's important that we catch that. He says immediately after the tribulation of those days. All right. Has everybody got that? Immediately after the tribulation of those days. That's a key if we miss that, you make some really big eschatological blunders. In other words, you'll mess up what Jesus is saying about the end times. Okay. So he says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then, watch this now, I'm in verse 30. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, watch this, with power and glory. All right, now this is his second coming not the rapture. At the rapture, the believers are called out, but there's, Jesus is not seen. Here is the sometimes referred to as the revelation or the second coming when he comes back to the Mount of Olives, I might remind you, and he's going to set up his kingdom. But it comes with power and glory. Great glory, sorry. Verse 31. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. I'm going to keep reading through verse 42. Now, learn a parable of the fig tree, Jesus says. Learn a parable of the fig tree. When the branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, 
ye know that summer is nigh. Summertime. Okay. He says that. So likewise ye, verse 33, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verse 34, verily, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. In other words, he's saying they will be fulfilled. He will come again. Verse 36, but of that day, notice the time references here. Uh, he said, if you see the, the, the blooming of the fig tree, you know that summer is close. It's near, it's at hand, it's nigh. Here, verse 36, but of that day and hour, watch this, please, knoweth no man, <laughs> knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven. Boy, a lot of people should have read that verse two or three times. <laughs> but my father only, he says, Verse 37, he's going on, still a time reference here. But as the days of Noah, or Noah, we know him as Noah, Noah, were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, watch this, verse 38, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came, watch this, and took them all away. Judgment fell. God given them space to repent and get right with him. Judgment falls. The flood, the global flood, not a, not a, uh, just a small area flood, a global flood. Okay. It took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. Verse 40. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Watch, be alert, pay attention, for ye know not what hour your Lord, well, I like, I like that it says that, <laughs> Your Lord doth come. Uh, this morning, I, I realize that's a lot to take in. And uh, maybe we should divide that up, but we're not. <laughs> we're going to consider it, I think it is a unit. So we're going to move pretty quick. Um, and I'm entitling the message this, The Countdown to the End. The Countdown to the End. Expecting, expecting the unexpected return of Christ. We're expecting it. The world is not. And so there's much here that we need to gather. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. We will move right into the message here this morning. The countdown to the end. I've been asking a few uh, engaged couples, how many days till you get married? Well, they're on the countdown. I got uh, Brother Joel on the spot a few weeks ago. I was using the same illustration basically and 
said to Brother Joel Pritchard, how many days? And man, he named it. I mean, just up there in the balcony, named it just right, confirmed with her and he was right. And so anyways, uh, he's helping out in the, in the children's ministry, I think right now. But anyways, I asked him this morning, how many days? Is it 14? I was kind of watching the clock too. And he said, no, 12. Oh, hey, it's getting real. Countdowns going on. Something significant that you look forward to, a countdown. Well, obviously, for the believer, I mean, it's referred to as the blessed hope. It's something that we look forward to. It's not something that we dread because we know him by salvation, see. Now, I, I want to be, be very clear here this morning. If you don't know him by, as your Savior, you don't need to put that off anymore. You need to recognize that you're a sinner. And the Bible says that all of sin and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, the Bible says, no, not one, that, but rather this, but God made him to be sin for us. He took our sin. He was wounded, as I mentioned a few moments ago. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. For our iniquities, we are the ones who have sinned against him. And yet God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died, watch this, for us. That means he died in your place. He died in my place that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. It's not based on what I can do. If, it, if your salvation was based on what you could do to be saved, then Jesus didn't really need to come and die in your place. You could have worked that out yourself, but since you cannot and could not, he had to come, live a sinless life, die in your place, was buried. And like they sang a moment ago, rose from the dead. And thus there's hope of salvation. That's the only hope. Okay, now what I just preached there in about three and a half minutes, maybe or less, is the gospel. It's the good news. It's the good news that God loves sinners. Now the truth is, friend, is that someday you'll stand before God. And you will either stand in your own righteousness, which the Bible refers to as filthy rags, or you will stand in His righteousness, which is clean and pristine, and, and you can be washed, justified, and, and forgiven of your sin. Which do you want? I mean, really, the choice is so clear. To stand in His righteousness, which is a gift. And so you need to understand this morning that what we're reading here is Bible prophecy. Uh, but Bible prophecy is not given to us to kind of tickle our imagination or to spur our curiosity and, and so that somebody can write a bunch of books and make a bunch of money. Now that's what's happened is that people get intrigued with prophecy. Jesus did not give this to us to intrigue us. He gave this to us to help us know how to live in light of the end times, see, okay? So we're reading the words of Jesus Christ, who knows how it shall be. This is not speculation. This is not what I think might happen. Friend, listen, this, regardless of what skeptics say, regardless of what I think, regardless of what you think, this is Jesus Christ word. And he said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not. So let's listen to him here. See. Okay. So the countdown, the countdown to the end, how many, how many movies have been made about that? How many books have been written about that? How many sermons have been preached on that? And much, many sermons need to be preached on it, but men have gotten off. Jesus in red and white in our Bibles, Maybe you got a black and white edition. That's fine. It's Jesus' words, regardless of the color. But maybe your Bible is a red letter edition, meaning it's Jesus' words. He said in red letters, no man knows. No angel knows. 
Knows what? Knows when he's coming again. When all this is going to be fulfilled. No man knows. Jesus said that, but it sure didn't stop people from trying. Listen to this list. I mean, this, this is a short list of people who said he's coming in this year on this date. 500 A.D. People took the measurements of, of uh, three individuals, took the measurements of Noah's Ark and figured out he's coming this year. <laughs> he didn't. 1000 A.D., 1533 A.D., 1844, William Miller, founder of it, Ad Adventism and, and uh, the known now as the Great Disappointment, prophesied that Jesus would come according to his calculations on October the 22nd, 1844. Farmers left their crops out in the field because they thought, why should we even harvest this? Jesus is coming again. Whoops. He didn't. 1914, uh, the, the founder and pastor of the Jehovah's Witness, Charles Tace Russell, said that he would come. He did not. 1964, 128 year, 120 years later than 1844, they figured, okay, Noah uh, preached for 120 years. It's been 120 years since 1844, 1964. That's when he's coming. My soul, come on. He didn't. How Lindsay, the great planet Earth, uh, believed that Jesus would come within the generation that was in the 1980s, that we would, we would go up. Hey, listen, the only thing that went up in the 80s was girls' hair. <laughs> Sorry. I thought about that this morning. I thought I probably shouldn't say that, and I did. But anyways, it's how it is. <laughs> He wrote 1980s, the countdown to Armageddon. And, and then uh, Edward uh, uh, Wisnant, a former NASA rocket engineer, published, many of you would know this, be familiar with this. I was about uh, 12 years old at this time, so I don't really remember this, but 88 reasons why Jesus will come in 1988. He missed it. He missed it. He did not come in 1988, so he wrote in 1989, the final shout, rapture report 1989. He didn't come then, so he said, all right, it'll be 1993. Then it was 1994. Then he died in 2001 in his time of prophesying that was over. 2000, 2011, 2012, 2015 in conjunction with the blood moon, <laughs> the lunar eclipse, 2021. 80 years later, so the idea is, okay, this generation shall not pass away. Israel became a nation in 1948. So uh, others like Wisnut, Wisnut and others said, well, he's going to come within that generation. The generation is about 40 years, so he's going to come in 1988. That's how they speculated that. Well, he didn't come in 1998, 1988, so maybe a generation is not 40 years. Maybe it is 80 years, so he's going to come in 2028. But you back up to seven years, that's 2021. You say, you're making all this up. I wish I was. In case you miss any of those prophecies, there's still a few to come in 2024, 2025, 2029, 2057. Should you wait that long? Listen. Our Lord did not tell us to get out our calculators and figure this out. He said, no man will know. He told us to get out our Bibles and see how we ought to live in light of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Imminent means it could be any day, any time.
Here's what we do know. Are we doing all right? Is this making sense so far? Here's what we do know. God has set the time. We know that. God has set the time. We know this. Number two, it will happen. And he doesn't have to tell us. It will happen. It will happen suddenly. And with each passing day, here's another thing we know. With each passing day, we are one day closer to his coming. We're one day closer to his coming. You say, you still believe he's coming? I mean, he's been gone 2,000 years. Hey, I'm just believing what he said he said he would do. And he said that he would come again. And so I take him at his word. He's coming again. I don't know if he'll come in our lifetime. I don't know if he'll come in 1,000 years from now. But I do know this. The word of God says very plainly, friend, he is coming. You know what would help a lot? Just... One verse, Acts chapter one and verse number seven, he said unto his disciples who asked him, when are you gonna restore the nation of Israel? When are you gonna restore the kingdom? He said this, he said, listen, listen to this. He said, it is not for you to know the times and seasons. Did you hear that? It is not for you. It, it, is, it, is, it is not your business to know the times and seasons, okay? It is not for you to know the times and seasons which the father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. That's verse eight. After the Holy Ghost comes upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me in, in uh, Samaria and Judea and, and, and Jerusalem and to the uttermost part of the earth. I think I did that backwards. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. You know, he's saying this, listen, don't worry about the time. Stop counting the days and make your days count. In, in, in Matthew chapter number 24, what we have is Jesus at, on the top of the Mount of Olives. And let me just backtrack here a little bit. This is, this is the part where you're not, not to zone out on me, okay? Nobody zone out. Because oh man, here's the review. I'm taking a nap. No, no, we got to stay tuned in right here. We, we were on top of the Mount of Olives a, a few months ago and you're looking over into Jerusalem, the, the old city Jerusalem and, and he's there and he's saying, here's what's gonna happen. He's gonna come and he's gonna touch down actually at the Mount of Olives, go through the Eastern Gate and set up his kingdom. I'm telling you, it's gonna happen. Yeah, most certainly. His disciples said, Lord, did you see the stones of that temple? I mean, it's amazing. The stones of the temple. And, and Jesus said, there will not be one stone left upon another. The whole city is going to be destroyed. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. And so they were puzzled by this. And they said, wait a minute, Lord, when, when is it that this will be destroyed? And when will you come? And what is the end of the world? That's what they want to know. Three questions. When is Jerusalem going to be destroyed? When are you coming again? And when is the end of the world? Great questions. And he's answering these questions. And so what we have to be careful about is not assigning to one what he's speaking of to another. Okay. So I'm going to pick it up in verse number 15 again, where, it's, where he says, let me re read it for us here. Would you look at that Matthew 24 and verse 15? We got some work to do here. Did you come to church to work or sleep? Did you come to work? Did you come to get your mind engaged and pay attention to what's going on? I came to work. <laughs> Amen. Okay. I came to, came to try to pass on what I've studied here and you're doing a great job listening so far. Look at it, verse 15. When you shall therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. When the abomination of desolation stands in the holy place and he says, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Now we spent the whole Sunday, last two Sundays ago on the abomination of desolation because it is so key to this passage. What Jesus is saying here and what he's going to explain for the next, the rest of the chapter is after that, 
that midpoint of the tribulation, when the Antichrist sets up the image in the temple, then that sets in motion what is known as the Great Tribulation. And that's what he's talking about here. We've got to keep it in that context. So the context of this is not, is not talking about the rapture. It's talking about his second coming. If you think it's talking about the rapture and these things have already happened, then we're in the tribulation. But friend, listen, it's not as bad as it's going to get during the tribulation. If it happened that, that that generation would not pass away, namely his disciples that were there, then we're in the millennial kingdom. And last time I checked the news, we're not in any kind of a millennial kingdom here. No. So evidently all of this from 15 on for sure is future. Still. You say, well, that has to do with what happens in the tribulation period. And I'm a believer and I'm raptured out prior to that because the Bible teaches the pre-tribulational return of Jesus Christ. That he will rapture believers out because listen to this, we are not appointed unto wrath. First Thessalonians chapter number one and, and chapter verses nine and 10 and chapter five and verse number nine. We as believers, listen to this morning, praise his holy name. We are not appointed unto that wrath. That is the time of Jacob's trouble. It's a time of uh, God's wrath and judgment upon the world. You and I will be taken out of the world prior to that. Praise the Lord. So what are we supposed to get out of this? Well, if he said it to his disciples way back then, don't you think it has application to us today? It certainly does. And so according to Daniel 9, 27, he's referring to this as the abomination of desolation. And then in verses 16 through 25, he tells what to do when that happens. And he, he says, flee to the mountains and don't worry about material things. And which actually is a good thing for us to be mindful of. The material things don't matter in this life as much as what God's will matters in your life. And so then because they're vulnerable, there's going to be these appearances of false messiahs that, and some are going to say he's in the wilderness or some are going to say he's in this meeting room. Jesus says, wait a minute. You won't mistake my coming. As the lightning would flash from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, when he comes again, friend, again, is everybody following me right here? Not at the rapture. But I'm talking about at the second coming, at the end of the tribulation, at the, towards the end right there, when he comes in power and great glory, every eye will see him. He'll come in power and great glory. And they'll realize at that point that it's too late. They'll mourn, they'll lament. One thing you ought to get out of this today is that, listen, today's the day of salvation. Jesus says that the, his second coming will not be a secret event, but he will come in power and great glory. And so that brings us then, that brings us, as we've already covered verse number 27, as the lightning cometh out of the east and the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then that brings us then, please follow along, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days. So at, at this time, after the tribulation has, has transpired, the first three and a half years, the last three and a half years, the seven years, at the conclusion of that, here's what's going to happen. The sun will be darkened, the moon will be darkened, the stars will not give their light, total darkness, and then suddenly Jesus comes again. The battle of Armageddon. So that is the context of this. He says in verse number 30, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man. What is the sign? Well, the biggest part of this is this, he comes again. There's speculation about what the sign is. I'm not going get, to uh, get off there. I'm just going to say, here's the point. He comes again because, listen, the world is in such a bad situation that only Jesus coming can fix it. 
And I want to say to you today, your life may be in such a bad situation that only he can fix it. Well, certainly the son of man shall come in verse number 30. It says, then all the tribes of the earth shall mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Daniel chapter number seven in verse 13 says, I saw on night visions and behold, one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and brought, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him, the son of man, there was given him, listen to this, dominion and glory and kingdom that all people and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. How about Revelation chapter number one and verse number seven? Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. They will recognize the son of God when he comes. His first coming, they crucified him. He came as a lamb that was brought to the slaughter. But listen, my friend, the next time he comes as a lion to set up his kingdom. And they will mourn and they will recognize that, that they had crucified the, the Messiah, the, the Lord of glory. And in verse number 31, it says he sends his angels with a shout of a trumpet and gathers the elect. Listen, this is not the rapture. This is at the end of the tribulation period when he gathers those that have been saved during that tribulation period. Because when he comes in the rapture, he gathers us to himself. So, preacher, why are you laboring all this? Well, because it's in God's word. And we need to understand it. So then what he does is he turns to a series of illustrations to say, listen, because these things are going to happen, you need to be prepared. Okay, so now that brings us to verse number 32. All right, look at verse 32. He says, now learn a parable of the fig tree. All right, now, now listen, this is where people get off. Because when they see fig trees, sometimes you can think Israel. And sometimes in scripture, Israel is represented by the fig tree. There's no denying that. But it's not good Bible exposition to say it always is that way. Okay, and that's where people say, okay, the fig tree then is in reference to when Israel became a nation in 1948. And if he says then that this generation shall not pass away, then he must come again within that generation. And so you get 1988 or 89 or 2001 or 2003, 2012 or 2015. And you get some really weird ideas. Well, what he says here is that learn a parable of the fig tree, that when it puts forth its blooms, then no, spring is at its conclusion, summer is nigh. All right, now right here in Oklahoma, Bradford pear trees start to bloom in about the spring. Isn't that right? Also, the Oklahoma redbud. We've got a redbud tree out in front of our house and, and it's beautiful red, red buds, you know, start to come out, kind of a, a reddish, purplish color. I'm not sure. Anyways, beautiful. I know right there. Cold weather's over. It's time for tornadoes. <laughs> They're right. So he's saying, he's using an illustration from creation to say, look around when the fig tree, all right, you say, well, I think he's referring to Israel there. Well, why in chapter 21 of Luke, he says the fig tree and other trees. 
It's not just the fig tree. So he's saying, let me give you an illustration from creation that you can understand when you start to see this tree or these other trees budding. So the point is this, he's not here referring to Israel. He's referring to a tree, like a tree with bark and leaves, not Israel. And he's saying, when you see that, you know this. Okay, so now, does that help anybody here this morning? I think this is so important. I'm gonna enjoy this all by myself if I have to, but this is so important. He says, listen, when you see that, then understand, he says that this is nigh, that, that you shall see all these things. In verse 33, let's read it carefully. So likewise ye, when you shall see all these things, all these things, what's he, what's he talking about there, all these things? Well, all these things are the things that he's been talking about so far. And all these things would go back to Daniel chapter nine and verse number 27, the abomination of desolation. When you see all these things, when you see the sun dark and the moon dark and the stars falling and the, and the power shaking and, and you see the son of man coming and understand it's time. It's nigh. It's close at hand. So then he says, when you see all these things, then understand that, that this is about to transpire. And that's why he says this generation. So he's not talking about the apostles. They're dead and gone. They didn't see all those things fulfilled. The generation that was alive in 1948, many of them are gone. They didn't see all those things fulfilled. But the generation that will be alive at the time of the desolation, abomination of desolation, and all the other things that he's talking about, they will see all those things fulfilled. And that's why Jesus says, heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will not pass away. Got to be very careful right there. Because otherwise, we're in the tribulation. Or it's a post-tribulation rapture. But he's not talking about rapture here. He's talking about second coming. All right. So then verse 36, we've already covered that. Only the father knows the time. If Jesus said only the father knows the time, who are we to speculate? Yeah. He used an example in Noah's day, verse 37 and 42. He look at it again with me, if you would, as the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the son of man be as in the days before the flood. Look what they were doing, eating and drinking. Marrying and giving in marriage. In other words, you know, what, you know what he's saying right there? I mean, it could have to do with some of the debauchery that was going on, the drunkenness and the immorality and the wickedness of Noah's day. But I, I, I believe after studying this a little bit more carefully, I think he's just basically saying this. Everybody's living like there was no tomorrow. Everybody's just living like this is all that really matters. Like nothing's going to change. Eating, drinking, being married, being married. Just going on, watch this, without any thought of God. And Jesus says then in, uh, in verse number 37, so shall this coming of the Son of Man be. Until the day, in verse 38, that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came, look at this, and took them all away. Took them all away in what? In judgment. And the only ones left behind, the only ones left behind were Noah, 
Ham, Shem, and Japheth and their wives. And they were left behind to continue on. So look what Jesus says then in verse number 40, two shall be in the field, one shall be taken, the other left. It's not one is taken out by rapture. I know I'm messing up somebody's Southern gospel song, but I'm just sorry. It's just not what Jesus is saying. It's saying is one is taken in judgment and the other is left to enter into his kingdom. So in this sense, you want to be the one left behind. You say, man, you just messed up my mind. You just messed up my theology. Look at the context of it. Abomination, desolation, after the tribulation of these days. So unless you're post-tribulationist uh, uh, doctrine, if you're in that position, then you would say, yes, he comes at the end of the tribulation. No, he raptures us out, out before that. And then he comes in judgment and he takes them out just like they were taken in the days of Noah. They were taken out in judgment so the people of God could continue. When Jesus comes again to this old sinful, wicked world that he takes those wicked people out in judgment and we the believers come with him, those that have already gone to heaven and those that are our believers right here on earth stay and remain and he sets up his kingdom. Amen. So may have to rewrite some songs <laughs> but we'd be better prepared in understanding what he's saying here in the scriptures. He's saying to his disciples, listen, you need to be prepared. My coming is sure. And secondly, my coming is unpredictable. No man knows the hour. No man knows the day. I read one man, actually the man that wrote the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. He said he, he doesn't know the hour, he doesn't know the day, but he said you can know the year and you can know the month. Stretch. Somebody gave me a cup, you know, like a, a coffee cup, and it said, it used uh, uh, Philippians 4, 13, you know, I can do all things through Christ. I, it, the, the cup says, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. <laughs> no man knows the hour. No man knows the day. Jesus is saying, don't try to predict this. Put your calculators away. Get your Bible out. Trust me as your Savior. Live like it once you're saved. If the future generation that he's speaking up here is to be watchful about their service to the Lord, then should we be any less? No, we ought not be any less. This is given to us to understand as well and to apply and to stop messing around with the Christian life and stop playing church, but get real because listen, we don't know how much time we have to get the gospel out, dear friend. And eternity is forever and ever and ever. And if somebody dies without Jesus, they go to a Christless hell forever and ever. We've got to get the, the gospel out. We should avoid the trap of being caught up in living only for today, living like this is all there is or all that matters is your personal success or your personal comfort. No, listen, there are souls in the balance that we need to wake up and live, live for God for and stop counting the days and make our days count. Saw people walking out this morning to the bus and, and uh, talked to Brother Greg uh, Van Tour on the way back in as he came. I said, hey, how was the air conditioning on the bus? He said, <laughs> we didn't have any, isn't that right, Brother Greg? We didn't have any air conditioning. All you got on the bus is just put the windows down and drive speed limit. <laughs> Try to get some airflow. 
Hey, you might say, man, it's too hot to wear in those buses. Or, well, if it's not too hot, it'll be too cold, won't it? When are we going to run them? Just in the spring and the fall? No, we got we to gotta run them now because there's a call come ringing or the restless waves. Send the light. And some little boy, some little girl needs to know that God loves them. And some teenager needs to know that they don't have to cut themselves. Some young lady needs to know that they're loved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we got to keep running buses. We got to keep knocking doors. We got to keep winning souls. We got to keep telling people about Jesus because he's coming again. And once he comes again and, and the second coming for sure, everything's off and they have no more opportunity. In fact, the countdown's on on their life. We don't know how long we have to live. I hope you live many years. I hope you live to 80. I hope you live to 90. I've got a friend back home, a dear, dear gentleman that's 103 years old. May God bless you with that many years, but actually he's ready to go home to heaven even as it is now. But you may have 100 years should God extend your days. But listen, if you don't, don't know Jesus, you'll spend all of eternity without him. If you'll trust him today, you'll be in his presence forever. Please listen. You cannot disregard God's warning. That's what this is. You cannot disregard God's warning about the coming judgment and expect that everything's going to work out okay. No more than you could go up to the top of this building and jump off and expect that everything's going to work out. No, listen, friend, there's a law called gravity and it does not have, a, it is not a respecter of persons. And there's a law called sin and, and every one of us have sin and come short of the glory of God. Listen, if you don't know him, friend, things aren't going to work out well for you. You say, I'm young. I've got my whole life ahead of me. I want to just live a little bit. I want to do what I want to do. I want to sow my wild oats and pray for a crop failure. Listen, friend, there will be no crop failure. You sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. There's a payment. There's a wages. There's a price on sin. But I'm glad to tell you today, he took the price. He paid the price for you at Mount Calvary. He wants to save you today. Won't you trust him today? Some of you have been thinking about it for a good while perhaps and, and thoughts about the end times or thoughts about dying trouble you at night. There's peace in Jesus. There's peace in knowing him. You can pass from this life, even unexpectedly. I just looked out and saw Brother Art Greenlee right over here. Raise your, hand, raise your hand, Brother Art. His dad came to see him graduate from Heartland Baptist Bible College and on his way home, unexpectedly died and went to heaven. It's a sad story on our human side. But this gentleman had known the Lord for many years and a godly man. And, and I didn't get to know him, but I read even a, a book that he wrote. And I heard a man tell, tell me a testimony this very summer. He said, I, I wouldn't be serving the Lord today had it not been for Art Greenlee Sr., I think. Or... There's a man who did not know the number of his days, but he made these days count. He taught children's church and cared about souls. You cannot... Disregard God's warning and expect everything to go okay for you. No more than you can turn out here on pen and say, well, I know it's, that southbound lane is closed, but uh, I'm still going to go southbound. No, it's closed. Are we all in agreement on that? But we see people disregarding it and going the wrong way. 
God has set up warning signs and he, warning sign after warning sign. This will mess your life up. This will, this will mess your life up. And God is telling you, don't go this way. Don't go this way. Don't go this way. Listen, would you listen to him? Don't regard, disregard it. Don't think, oh, it'll be okay for me. We should not disregard the fact that man's greatest need is salvation. Judgment will come at a time when people do not expect it. You cannot think that you'll get away with your secret life of sin. Let me ask you this today. If Jesus came today, are you satisfied with the way that you're living for him? I'm, I'm talking to believers. Everybody awake? Believer? Believer, young person, adult, senior adult. Truth is, Jesus could come today. Are you satisfied with the way that you're living for him? Let me ask you a better question. Would he be satisfied? Pleased with the way that you're living for him? The countdown to the end is on. We know not the day, we know not the hour, but we know the certainty. And we know that it's unpredictable, but we know that he is predictable because of who he is and his character. And he'll forgive you of your sin. He'll save you that are not saved. He'll cleanse you that are saved to start living for him and stop wasting your life on yourself. Stop counting the days and start making your days count for his honor and his glory. Father, thank you this morning that in the midst of all the chaos of the world, what would happen in AD 70 at the destruction of Jerusalem, what would happen in the 1940s under the Nazi regime, the confusion that would transpire even around the establishment of the state of Israel. And we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Into the chaos of the 1980s and right up to our time, that your words still ring crystal clear through the ages. And you have said that you would come again. We believe that and we trust that. And in the meantime, you want us to be serving you. God, would you help us not to do less, but to do more? Would you help us to send more missionaries even into the 1040 window as we heard so eloquently and so strongly put on Wednesday night? God, would you help us to reach souls there and right here as well? Lord, help us to make our days count. Lord, even the scripture reading this morning matched up with what we're considering today that you might teach us to number our days and apply our hearts unto wisdom. Help us, dear Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.